Hello, and welcome to Gilead. I'm Rebecca Anderson, one of the pastors, and I'm so glad you found us. This Lent, our theme is Punks Not Dead. On March 19th, I preached about um, the punk ethos of DIY, and I'm sorry to use the word ethos. I preached about how the gospel is pretty punk, by which I mean shittier than you were expecting, and also better, and also the only way to perceive it is to participate. At least that's what I think I said. Judge for yourself. Here you go. We are living the dream right now. I failed to print. Oh, my gosh. This is it. So I don't remember saying, I don't, well, I remember saying, I don't remember what made me say, think shittier, Bruce. I mean, I know that it was early in our relationship with our church coach, Bruce Reyes Chow, and I think it must have been early in the pandemic because I know that Bruce, who is a super accomplished Presbyterian pastor and author, was waxing poetic about the possibilities of church during the pandemic. Why his church had already started growing. Sunday worship was a slick and well-produced gathering on Zoom that was reaching people all around the country and even beyond. So I remember a lot of the conversation, but I don't remember the thing that Bruce said right before I told him when he was thinking about Gilead to think shittier. I mean, I guess it was something about what I perceived as like his California sensibilities, like that excess of sunshine and production values. Something that he was suggesting we could do and something about what he said made me think that he couldn't picture bathrooms that had standing water in them and bars, not this one, that had mold on the garnishes. I thought he couldn't picture us hauling our shit in repurposed Tupperware bins and passing clipboards around. Think shittier, Bruce. And he laughed. And I was like, no, shittier. Which isn't to say I don't think it's beautiful, actually, (laughs) and necessary, and that it couldn't exist authentically any other way. I can't remember what grade we were in, but Doug Miller and I had a reprieve. It was gym class, but we didn't have to do whatever we were supposed to be doing. And instead, we could walk laps on a beautiful, I think, spring day around the field at the back of our high school. It must have been early high school because I can remember exactly what I was wearing. And I have made hay out of what a dork I was in high school. (laughs) Like, lovable, socially capable, but a dork. But it did get a little better as as I went on. So what I mean when I say that this must have been early in high school is that what I was wearing was a dress um, uh, purchased at Sears, and it was a dress I loved. Um, It was a sailor dress with like a full-on white skirt, a blue knit bodice with a dropped waist, obviously, it was 1992 or so, and full-on, capital F, capital O, full-on, white, square, sailor collar with blue piping and a knot tied in the middle of it. I felt extremely picturesque, if you must know. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, And part of why I felt picturesque was that Doug Miller, a friend, or a very good acquaintance, I don't know, Doug Miller was wearing high punk drag. By which I don't mean drag, I just mean full-on punk. Skinny plaid pants, docks, probably a leather jacket with studs, because he definitely had one, but like, was he wearing it? It was spring, I don't know. Was he wearing safety pins as earrings that day, or just some other day? Was it just his friends? And then topping it off, of course, Doug usually wore a mohawk. Old school, glued up, stiff and straight. 
Yeah, real, the real shit. So I was telling this moment to a roommate probably 10 years later. It was like um, a picture of what I was like in high school as she and I were getting to know each other. I, a nanny and an after-school teacher. Her, a PhD student on the lamb from the federal government because she helped set an SUV dealership on fire in another part of the country. <laughs> so we were like another natural pairing, obviously. And we were laughing about all of this, including the SUV situation, because nobody got hurt. And, and she said something kind of under her breath or under the laughter about how I had been punk rock in high school. And I was like, no, 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 because I thought she had misheard me. No, I said my friend was punk rock. I literally was wearing a sailor dress from Sears. <laughs> right, she said. He, w he was following a script, like the pants, the boots, the hair. And I was doing my own thing. That's punk rock, she said. Which... I mean, it really helped me rehabilitate my sense of who I'd been in high school and was, but that, that's not for this sermon. So uh, last week in the, in the Zoom chat, an unnamed Gileadite asked, has the definition of punk changed? You, and you can't see it, but there are like multiple question marks after this question. And it might have been around the time we were singing Beyonce, which... Okay, a couple of things. One, we never promised all punk music for this series. Uh, two, we don't want Adam to quit, so we wouldn't have promised all <laughs> punk music. Um, and, and three, as much as this series is turning out primarily to be about shit that, we, that won't die, uh, no, at its core, you, O'Gileadite, uh, no, I don't think the definition of punk has changed. And don't tell, like, the current Doug Millers of the world, but I think that the definition might include yea, verily, us. Punk emerged in the 1970s, a reaction to excess in music, in culture, in economy, in politics. Tommy Ramone of, obviously, the Ramones said punk is pure, stripped down, no bullshit. The aesthetic, or the, the clothing, was, according to Wikipedia, which... According to Wikipedia, the clothing was calculated to disturb and outrage, and I don't know about that. People might have found themselves disturbed and outraged, but I don't know about the calculation. The venues for punk music shows were shitty, bars and underground spaces. In my 1990s hometown, and presumably everywhere, punk venues included basements of families who were somehow game to let teens gather there and for some of them to like shriek into microphones. They, we, I guess, found out about the shows from each other, although I don't want to overstate how much I was there. Um, I was rarely there, but when I was there, I'd found out about it from somebody else or from a flyer hand-drawn, handmade with bad handwriting. Punk's minimalist. It's do-it-yourself. It's not just the music that's do-it-yourself, but the production. Bands produce their own records and release them through independent labels. Self-taught, participatory, held together with safety pins, you know? It's not mainstream. It was a response to and, and actively rejected mainstream music. The Clash's song 1977 claimed in a sentiment Vince would agree with that it would be a year of no Elvis, Beatles, or Rolling Stones. It was like year zero. We're done with all that. <laughs> Fuck all that. That was over. And what was next? Fuck that, too. That same year, the Sex Pistols again and again and again sang in God Save the Queen, no future, no future, no future for you, no future, no future, no future for me. That came out the same year as the song Stayin' Alive. <laughs> That's what they were up against. You know, the end was near. When will it happen, though? The Pharisees wanted to know. 
all this talk of end times, the eschaton. When? 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 And Jesus said, this is Luke 17, if you want to look it up later, Jesus said, the reign of God isn't a thing you can observe. Look, here it is. Look, there it is. And he was talking to the Pharisees who were trying to get him to be more specific, but he knew that the disciples were listening too. The reign of God meant and means different things to different people. But in occupied territory, which is where they were when they were talking, some of what it looked like was freedom and peace and well-being, prosperity even. So wanting it makes sense. Wondering when it's going to happen makes sense. And given what they're dreaming of, Jesus' answer does not make sense. The reign of God is among you. The reign of God is in the midst of you. The reign of God is within your grasp. It's already right here and now. Which, like, depending where you sit is, is bad news. It's bad news for people who are waiting on liberation and peace. Like, wait, so this is it? It's here? It's bad news for people who think the reign of God means the end of the world. Th this is it? It's, it's over? It's bad news for people who think God is a God of retribution and punishment. Wait, I'm, I'm supposed to be ready, have all my shit in order now? It's bad news for people who were thinking reign of God, kingdom of heaven. That's what, like clouds and, and harps and beautiful melodi melodic music? No, Jesus says, it's good news. Just um, think shittier. In addition to wearing sailor dresses, I was the kind of kid who listened, once I had stopped listening to New Kids on the Block, I was the kind of kid who listened to Simon and Garfunkel. Right, they're good, but Simon and Garfunkel also got name-checked by the founding editor of Punk Magazine as, as an example of what was wrong with rock and roll. <laughs> it was like, this gets called rock and roll? No, rock and roll is supposed to be wild and rebellious music, which I guess is not how the founding editor of Punk Magazine experienced Simon and Garfunkel. So one morning, also in high school, who knows about the sailor dress, one morning I was in homeroom with another of these little punk friends that I hung with when the morning music, the song that sometimes got played, was Mrs. Robinson by... Kind of, but then that morning... It was by the Lemonheads. And so I said, this is like way more embarrassing than the sailor dress. <laughs> I said to my friend, I was like, Simon and Garfunkel wouldn't be pleased. <laughs> and he was like, what? why not? They're musicians. Why wouldn't they want other people to do something with what they made? So after Jesus tells them that the reign of God is among them, he unleashes something that these days seems calculated to disturb and outrage. It's a series of threats, maybe, about how the, the reign of God will show up. It'll be like lightning that flashes from one side of the sky to the other, sudden and unmissable. This is like right after he said, this is this thing that's unobservable. It's a thing we make ourselves. <laughs> feels weirdly noticeable for something unobservable. It feels weirdly out of our control for something DIY. But the idea that the reign of God is solely DIY is bad news in at least one more way. 
for those of us who know and can feel that the project is too big, that project of freedom and peace and well-being for all people. Bad news for those of us who feel or even know that it's not a project we can trust entrust to others. It's all around us, apparently, in the midst of us, and yet it's not something that you can perceive by looking at it, by consuming it. Look, it's over there. Look, it's there. If, you're, if we're looking for something that we can see like that, we're liable to miss it. And that seems to be part of what Jesus is saying. Like, the reign of God is obvious if you're oriented to that kind of thing. And it's easy to miss if you're not. The good news, question mark, is that the reign of God is not mainstream. It's not mass-produced. It's not slick. It's not done, but it's here. Here. And it's not handed to you. It's not something you can look at. It's something you make. And Jesus says, you're not going to be very good at it. But that is the only way it happens, the only way it is happening, because this is it. And it is shittier than we imagined. <laughs> it's smaller for longer. It's more tenuous. The people are more real. There's more trauma. The feelings are bigger. There's less money. It's less well-produced. It's not an aesthetic. It can be a sailor dress. It can be, I think, a megachurch, maybe. It's not the aesthetic that matters. It's how it happens. It's good news, bad news. That's not dead. 